This is Star Talk. Welcome to Star Talk All Stars. We're your hosts. I'm Summer Ash. I'm an astrophysicist at Columbia University, and I direct the public outreach program for the astronomy department there. And I'm Emily Rice. I'm an astronomer at the College of Staten Island City University of New York and at the American Museum of Natural History. And today we're going to be talking about women in science. And our ha uh, first I should introduce our co-host, Chuck Nice. Hey. Thanks for being here with us. Hey, ladies. How are you? <laughs> Good to be here. And today we're going to be talking about women in science. Women? You are welcome to participate. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, uh, I'm looking at myself in, uh, in the camera here, and I'm looking at this sweater. I might just be a woman in science. <laughs> I'm just saying, for those of you at home, that was a joke saying I have breast. <laughs> and I do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and we're actually doing it in the form of cosmos, cosmic queries. Mm -hmm. And the cosmic queries are uh, all about, listen... Women Crushing It Wednesday. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say that I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know what Women Crushing It Wednesday is. Now, I've heard of Women Crush Wednesday, which is a hashtag on Twitter. Uh -huh. So what is Women Crushing It Wednesday? We, we kind of made it up. We, oh. didn't, we were not the only ones that made it up. A few other people use this. Okay. Um, but we like Women Crushing It Wednesdays better. I do and too, to be honest. If you look up what a crush is, Merriam-Webster defines a crush. It's, it's kind of... I don't think it's the greatest compliment, especially when you're talking about women trying to break into a male-dominated field and be treated equally and things like that. Mm -hmm. A crush is like a temporary infatuation. Right. And when I saw Women Crush Wednesday, I was like, really? Like, that's the, we, you know, we got two Nobel Prizes out of 100 Nobel Prizes in physics, and that's the best you can do is a temporary infatuation? Like, no, nah, we're going we're gonna to profile women crushing it. Right. In their field. Right, because now that is not temporary. Because when you are yeah, crushing right. it, that is it. Yeah. You have yeah. crushed it, and that's that's the end. That's the that's the finality of it. Like, yeah. yo, I just crushed that. It's <laughs> over. Deal with it. Crushed it. You know, so there's a there really is a very different sensibility behind the two yeah. just by adding uh, the suffix to crush. And yeah. So instead of crush. It's, it's subtle, but it's, it makes it much more powerful. It is more empowering, powerful. much yeah. less objectifying. And, and let me also, just. I think meant to be complimentary. But let me just say, as a feminist, I actually agree with that, you know. And notice, I didn't say as a father of two girls, <laughs> which, by the way, well stop it. Yeah. Okay. As a father of two girls, I believe, shut up. Because here's the thing. Um, you should not have respect for women and their equality based on the fact of who you have in your family who is a woman. Yeah. Because I don't know if you know this, but if you are here on this planet, you have a family member who is a woman. <laughs> All right. So True. that right there disqualifies that as a, a reason to respect women. The reason why you respect women is because you are um, smart enough and evolved enough to understand that their equality is just that. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's the human end. Human being. Right. Yeah. They are human beings. That's where their equality lies in the fact that they are human beings. They are a different gender, but that doesn't make them different people. 
Okay, the personhood Sometimes of a woman. Sometimes the simplest is less things are the hardest things to wrap your mind around. What's that? Somehow, somehow the simplest things are the hardest things to wrap your mind around. Yeah, but yeah. It's a it's a paradigm shift. Right. And we're working on it. Oh, good. I think it's going pretty well. Right. And, you know, I, I say all those things because I really do believe them, uh, you know, but I don't believe them as the father of two daughters. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, hey, so we have our cosmic queries and we take them from all over the internet and whether it's Facebook and um, Instagram or Twitter or what have you. And um, we always start with a Patreon question and Patreon is a, um, a platform where you can support Star Talk financially. And by doing so, we will give you priority to the cosmic queries questions because uh, quite frankly, we can be bought. <laughs> <laughs> and all star all access, right? Is Thank that separate you. from Patreon? Yes, it is. Thank you so oh, much okay. for saying that. So, StarTalkAllAccess.com is where you can actually watch this uh, podcast that we're doing right now and every podcast that we do in video form. Video form. As well as exclusive original content that you cannot see anywhere else but StarTalkAllAccess.com. So, thank you, Emily, for that. All right. Should we get into our first one? It's a Patreon question. And, um, this is from uh, Erica Thotis um, or Thoits. I'm not sure. It's either Thotis or Thoits. And Erica says this. Um, I realize this is a bit off topic, but I can't stop thinking about it. As a woman who's grappling with the fact that our country has just voted for a man who at best has a sexist view of women, I'm feeling a little bit discouraged and defeated. I sadly imagine you face sexism and setbacks while pursuing your careers as you've worked to bring due recognition to female astronomers and physicists. Where do you find the motivation to keep going when faced with such ugliness and hurt? <sighs> wow, that was a deep way yeah, to start. Yeah. Thanks for bringing us down, Chuck, let's, with your first question. Let's <laughs> jump in the deep end. Yeah. 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 No, but let's jump right off in the yeah. deep end. Uh, what she's saying is, now, believe it or not, there are people who believe that, and I, I swear to God, this was so funny. I watched a panel on C-SPAN. Yes, I am that guy. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm that guy. I watched a panel on C-SPAN where they talked about uh, there is no more sexism. Oh, no. And it was four men <laughs> and, a, and a male host, all of them Washington people. Like, they all have, like, big jobs in Washington. And they were like, there really is no more sexism. Uh, oh, that's pretty good. That's like when Obama was elected, the racism ended, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was fun. It's over. Yeah, yeah, it's over. Racism, like, oh, no, we don't anymore. Hey, what are you talking about? It's done. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So, so uh, even though this is a little bit heavy and she says it's a little bit off topic, it's not. No, it's not it's off not, topic at all. Because right? yeah. when you talk about women in science. Um, first, it's all part of the same thing. Like, that's the, the, like, the, I think the lack of representation of women in science and other underrepresented minorities in science is really an extension of the rest of society. Like, that's what the thing, a lot of people think, like, oh, science is this, it's this facts and this very pure pursuit and, you know, very noble and esoteric sometimes, but um, science is messy and <laughs> done by people. And human. And, and yeah, human. and yeah. people have prejudices and people have biases and, and definitely like our society is reflecting Reflected in science for better or for worse. I think we wish it weren't. Mm. And I think we wish even as scientists that we could, you know, because we think that we're logical, we're trained in, right. in certain ways, and we think that we can overcome these things just by thinking about them. Right. Um, but I, we're, we're, we're showing that we can't and that we, we really need to do better. Um, to to go back to the question, like, and and actually, it can be, and it can make it harder to convince a scientist that they're being biased. Wow! Because they think, yeah, that's there. The, you go. There's because the, the they challenge. think that they're 
they think that they're not. Yeah, and they, they, and they also that think that they're very rational. logical people. Yeah. Right. And so they have a harder time of seeing the actual, you know, kind of mistakes that they're making. Even when presented with evidence. Oh, There's been yeah. these studies showing oh, that when of. you provide data, people become more entrenched. You rationalize it away. I mean, because that's what we do is we look at data and we try to make sense of certain things and we try to dismiss other things in order to understand the, you know, the the physical scientific data. Mm -hmm. We can do the same thing about people, which is terrible. Like, that's not what we want to do. You know, we want to handle dealing with people in a slightly different way. Right. Um, And it's so science in that way is kind of a reflection of our society as a whole. Mm -hmm. And boy, this week has been tough. (laughs) You know, and it's especially, I think, like as a woman in science and having dealt with this, actually, you know, like I'll admit that I've been a little bit lucky in that, you know, I kind of didn't realize that that women in science and and was a special thing or like needed defending or talking about for a very long time, which was nice. I did like in high school, I was definitely one of the only girls in my like upper level physics and math classes, Mm -hmm. but damn it. I was one of the best too. So (laughs) I was like, what up? Like, I don't know where everybody else is. Um, I, I always, um, and then um, in kind of college, it was a nice mix of, of um, uh, guys and dolls. I don't know, <laughs> you know, women and men in my in my physics major and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Right. And then in grad school, I actually had an incoming class of seven, six women and one dude. And so our grad school, like uh, the you know, in the uh, the higher levels were also kind of well mixed and well represented. And, uh, and so when did it all when did it all go to crap? <laughs> and then yeah, when did it all like, go to pot? Then, like the thing is with it, with science, it tends to be like the higher you get the 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 more, more imbalanced. imbalanced it becomes yeah the less the normalization happens and wow. so for whatever reason there's some people call it a leaky pipeline and the idea is that you have this pipeline from you know student through to professor mm-hmm. and that the women drop out for some reason and the men don't drop out got you um and so now that i'm a, an assistant professor like i'm one of I'm the only female physicist in my department, and there's a couple other female engineers and a female geologist, um, and that's out of you know two dozen faculty members. Oh wow! So that's a little bit disappointing, Um, you know. And you, but you you try to find your tribe a little bit like you try to find people that also care about changing the representation and and i love i steal it from shonda rhymes actually normalizing it it's not diversifying because we don't just want you know we we, right. we don't want like a, a rainbow box of crayons just for the sake of having a rainbow like right. we want to normalize it we want to have science be representative of the population as of a whole mm-hmm. because that's actually a scientific thing if you have a random sample of you know if, People that want to go into science, if you randomly draw from people, then science, sh- you know, people that are scientists should represent the overall population. Right. If you don't, if you have only, for example, white males becoming scientists, you have some kind of selection bias. There are scientific words for that. And yet people say, oh, but women aren't interested and, you know, other people don't have the education or something like that. And it's like, no, there, there's, it's a selection bias. Correct. And, you know, there's a large enough population where we should be able to that, that, randomize it, these things out. And, and, and so that it would be reflected in the actual field. Yeah. yeah. The field would reflect the population. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. Summer, do you have anything? To, uh, yeah, I just want to add, like, for motivation, you know, what motivates me is that, now, because of the internet, there's all these social channels and social communities. And so, even if your institution yeah. is very imbalanced with women or minorities, you can find those other people that are like you out there in those other departments. And so, then it's kind of like Emily said you know, you find your group and 
I'm motivated every day by the work that they're also trying to do to change how everything is in science nice. and in the world in general. Okay. And so that, and that's a way that you can cheer each other on. And that's a way that you can also just discover that there are so many yeah. other amazing people out there. Like I've discovered so many amazing women crushing it <laughs> in science on social media and that so it sounds going. it sounds to me like what you're both uh the, the common thread through what you both have just said is that uh, community is a big yes. uh, big big help in uh, overcoming any of these challenges yeah yeah oh, that's cool well erica yeah go ahead i was gonna say erica that's a great 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 question uh, and a great way to start off i don't care what anybody says well let's <laughs> let's let's get to something um a little a little uh a little, a little more a, a little a little a little easier uh, this is dave smith coming to us from facebook and dave says i'm doing an informative speech on black holes what's a good attention getting tip <laughs> oh you got this one, I think. Do I? Yeah. Well, I like to say black holes don't suck. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. Oh, get uh, out. <laughs> for like the little, for, for, for me, it's a little double meaning because they don't suck because they're awesome. Right. Uh, but they also don't suck because if you actually observe them with radio telescopes, they're also blowing jets. Right. So they're, they're doing multiple types of activities. Nice. Phenomena. <laughs> um, and, and they so don't that's a like nice energetic thing. Sucking stuff. Yeah. Like they, you can happily orbit a black hole. Yeah. Like you can orbit if if you have enough energy, you can orbit a black hole as a as a star, as a planet, right. as something as, long as, as another black hole. Yeah, as another long as you're outside of the danger exactly. zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're outside the danger zone, right. The event horizon, you can yeah. you can go ahead and so that's cool. And there is a perception though that a black hole is an all consuming entity that no matter where you are in the universe, at some point it's going to get you. Yeah. yeah. People are afraid like the black hole, the supermassive black hole in the center of our galaxy. They're like, We're gonna get eaten and we're not, because you can calculate like a black hole will eat everything within its reach but its reach is finite pretty small. and or growing at a very small rate yeah. right, right. it's because it's governed by gravity and gravity is actually the weakest of the four fundamental forces wow throwing some physics there yeah. Yeah, and nothing wrong yeah. throwing a little physics in there <laughs> I also, take, take that gravity yeah. you weakling <laughs> I also like the the anecdote where you can say if I could set my fingers and turn the sun into a black hole the oh, yeah. solar system orbits everything would remain exactly the same I mean there are other reasons why we time. would not continue to live, but it would not be because we were eaten by the black hole. Really? Yes. Yeah. Because that is the, fascinating. The, reach, the event horizon of it, that, black, that hole, black hole, would the mass be, of the sun, would be tens of miles at the most. It's three less. kilometers. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, in other words, we would be beyond the reach of that uh, event horizon, and therefore, we, yeah. uh, Mercury would. Yeah, the gravity would, would stay right, the which same. Which is the closest to the sun. Yeah. So, we, none of the planets would get sucked in. Nothing would change. Everything would just orbit. And then we would just yeah. be orbiting a black hole, period, right? Yeah. In it. Wow. Eight minutes after the sun turned into a black hole, we'd get very, very cold. Yeah. <laughs> Plants might die. Yeah. Other things might die. But not otherwise, work. yeah. We'll, we'll still make it. Gravitationally, we'll, we'd be fine. I'm very positive about that. We'll, we'll just become chuds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's, uh... <laughs> um... All right, we're doing uh, Women Crushing It Wednesday. Uh, questions from uh, our Cosmic Queries audience, and this is Jay Birchfield, and Jay wants to know this. What seems to be the biggest barriers for women entering STEM fields? Do these barriers seem to be getting any smaller? So mm -hmm. uh, what are the biggest barriers, and are, are there hope when it comes to the barriers that are uh, being removed? I, some people say that the the 
there's barriers in terms of inspiring girls to be interested in science. Like some people think that that girls and women just naturally aren't interested in science, which I think is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, I think like everybody is born naturally curious, but somehow women and and girls tend to get discouraged away from it more than men are for some reason. It feels like, and maybe it's it's a little bit of these kind of unconscious biases. It's also a little bit of I think self doubt that women tend to have more than men have, where they think, oh, I have to be smart to be a scientist, and so I'm not that smart. I'm not going to bother. It's also been shown that women tend to have a little bit higher expectations for themselves. Like they think, you know, is it maybe in classes like, oh, I have to get an A or else I'm not any good at this. Um, you know, or I have to, you know, like they, they, they underestimate their skills and mm-hmm. they kind of overestimate their expectations. Whereas a, a dude might. No, men overestimate of, everything. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> and not they be bothered by underperformance. Uh, no, yeah. no they like really aren't. A, a C student and be like, well, I can be a physicist and yeah. a. And a yeah. uh, I can be president. Student. <laughs> it's happened, people. <laughs> I wish you were a C student. It's happening. Um, a, a woman might get a B and be like, oh, I'm not any good at this or something like that and, and switch to something that she might think is easier. Okay. And then it kind of, you know, gets it's harder from there at, at, at various different levels, but mm. I think most of the most of the barriers are are not actually scientific, but they're cultural. So they're cultural, kind of social barriers, psychological barriers. Yeah. And do you see them? Uh, the second part of the question was: Do you see them see them getting better? Is, yes. is there any empirical evidence that we are uh, getting better uh, yeah. at, at inspiring women going into STEM? Yeah, the empirical evidence is there, right? It's the participation. Yeah. Okay, yeah. there you go. Right, and the achievements, yeah. and uh, you know, the participation is increasing, not uniform across the fields and not as fast as we would like it to but it's there cool I think one of the other things is yeah that would be great physics (laughs) yep Uh, I think one of the other things is that there are like these studies that show bias in teachers so that's going to affect no matter what subject you're in but teachers calling on boys more often um, and just the the interaction between teachers and students uh, is not in favor sometimes of the female students and okay. the, of building their courage or building their knowledge and allowing them to participate at the same levels. Okay. And then also, um, oh, what was the other thing I was just going to say? <laughs> I'll, I'll stall a little bit. Like the, the uh, you know, these things aren't meant to be, ne- oh, they're not necessarily... Okay. Um, they're not meant to be negative. Like I don't think people think, "Oh, I'm going well, to." There's not. There's not a malicious conspiracy. Not the yeah. There's not a malicious conspiracy. It's unconscious bias. Right. It's things. These things happen. But you have one more thing. Yeah. You want so to say? the other we're, thing we're is out also of time like what we were talking about, um, or th- one of the reasons that we also do the Star Toilist, our science and astronomy fashion blog, is because there is because science is dominated by men then there's a dominant type of scientist that's pictured. And so there's women have a spectrum. And so some women think that if they are drawn to more things that are classically girly, that they, that doesn't, there's no place for that in science. Right. And so they also hide that like of science. Yes. Okay. We're trying to change that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. We have to take a break and we'll be back with Star Talk All-Stars right after this. Welcome back to Star Talk All-Stars. I'm one of your all-star co-hosts. I'm Emily Rice. And I'm another all-star co-host. I'm Summer Ash. And thanks, Chuck, for being our third co-host for this show. <laughs> Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Without a doubt. I'm having fun. And you have all these cosmic queries for us about women crushing it Wednesday. Women crushing it Wednesday. And we went to the internet and asked people to give us some 
cosmic queries that we might be able to pose to you guys, and uh, many of them have to do with uh, women in STEM, and some of them just are general science questions, and the cool thing is you can speak to both of them. You can crush it. You can crush it. Both of them. the cosmic queries. And someone must know uh, your particular state of being, Emily, because... Um, oh. <laughs> this, and by that, I mean that Emily is, is with child. Emily is pregnant, okay? Not your state of being, like, you know, anything else. Like, I was like, going can read my aura. Like, like, ah, that's right. I'm pure energy right now, Chuck. Um, <laughs> uh, this is Randy G. Sidberry from uh, Twitter says this. Um... Could you please tell us what a birth would be like in outer space? Oh. And by that, I think he means zero G. Cause I was going to say, I'm not that kind of doctor. I don't know what a birth is going to be like, period, actually. And I'm, I'm, could somebody tell me, please? I'm a little bit terrified. Um, does gravity... So the thing that I do know is that there, there's so much fluid around yes. the baby that like they, they tend to be floating. Yes. And they don't seem to... Um, to kind of care about gravity very much. Right. But that said, I don't know, because somehow they, like, most of the time they find their way out. They mm -hmm. get head down, and then they get deeper in your pelvis, and then they, you know, eventually they want to come out because of the hormones that go, I'm making stuff up, honestly. No. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. I can um, tell you, I, I actually know the question, having three children and being there for all of it, uh, it will be so messy. <laughs> oh, my God, it'll be so so messy. The advice and that I've heard is neck up. Just just stay neck up and let the professionals deal with everything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, would, would it, would, would, do you think it would be like the same as a birth in a bathtub or a birth in a birthing tub, as they oh. call them, where you are uh, mutually buoyant? buoyant. Yeah. That helps. I mean, that's how astronauts train, right? For right. low gravity. They go yeah. into yeah. a they pool. They train in the deep water. Right. A neutral buoyance facility. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Here's the deal. It ain't going to make a difference. Okay? Uh, you could be mutually buoyant, and I've seen those births, and uh, the women are screaming just as much. Okay? Thanks. It's not like they're just like, thank God I'm in outer space. This is so god darn great. No, it's just like, I'm going to kill whoever did this to me. You son of a bitch. I hate you and your mother. And you know what? I'm just taking the time to tell you I hate your mother right now because I can, and I don't care. Ah! Okay. Anyway, uh, that's totally, what my wife said to me. That's all. More of a, that left a scar, didn't it? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> God, I'm scared. <laughs> no, actually, um, I wish that was the case. My wife and my mother are actually, my mother likes my wife better than me. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I, oh. That's a good sign that you married well, though. Yes. Uh, or that I'm an awful son. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of both, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who, who needs to choose? You can be I've both. never thought about giving birth in space. I think, yeah. like, we might have to find out eventually, right? Because that's the idea. Ooh. If we start to go further if and we further, we go further out. Yeah. yeah, like that's. I mean, Buzz Aldrin yeah. talks about Mars as a one-way trip, right? And it's probably actually cheaper to figure out how to, you know procreate and give birth on another planet instead of keep sending fresh people. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Lost another one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why these I don't know why these people keep having sex while they're out there in space, but it's <laughs> just not working out. <laughs> All right, wait. Hey, Randy, that was a that was a really cool that question. Was a stumper. That was a yeah. stumper, but it was a really cool question. All right. Um, here's a personal question for both of you and it's from Angela Marone from Instagram. And Angela says, what kind of major challenges did you personally face to get where you are today? 
Okay. So this is this is your own personal story. I mean, yeah, there's no yeah. real right or wrong answer to this. It's not scientifically based, but it is experientially based. Yeah. Is there anything that you can think of that uh, uh, from a gender specific standpoint where you, you, you ran into some obstacles on your path or your journey to this point? I think I'm really lucky in that I didn't face any major challenges, but I think unfortunately, like, you know, for better or for worse, that's one of the reasons that I'm here as a scientist, oh. is because I didn't face major challenges. Well, yeah. Now, that is a very good point. Yeah. The fact that you are where you are is because you received the kind of nurturing and assistance necessary to put anybody in your position, and you were just able to do it. I think sometimes I kind of think that, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I but I do know other people have overcome major challenges, and I know that they're like smarter than me and tougher than me, and like, and I know, and also thinking about the fact that so many people that did face more challenges than me don't make it, even though they want and to. See, that's what and I was. That's got to be fixed, right? I was going to say yeah, that yeah. Uh, the real problem is uh, it, those who face the challenges and go yeah, to hell with this. You know, this is just too much, man. I can't, you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, and that's fair. I mean, because some of the challenges are just, you know, I grew like grew up with like a house and enough food and, and things like that. And that's mm -hmm. something that, you know, a lot of people don't have. And it actually frightens me on a day-to-day -day basis, like what we could be missing because not everybody is taken care of, not everybody has the same opportunities, like what geniuses are not yeah. even living, you know, out of infancy or something right. like that yeah. because, you know, we don't take care of everybody kind of equally across the planet. Yeah, know? there is a price to be paid by human capital, uh, uh, inhuman yeah. capital, yeah. Uh, by dis disparity. Yeah. Yeah. Disparity yeah. exacts a price upon all Societies, so yeah. you know. and science uh, is a product of society. And Summer, do you have a, a an actual? I I have a, a quite a similar story to Emily. I think in the sense that I was really fortunate to have amazing women mentors Ooh. at every step, almost. Okay. Um, even though we were collectively still the minority at every point as far as gender minority. Um, so I first of all, I'm raised by a single mother. Okay. I'm an only child. Uh, she's she's not in technical science fields at all, but she supported me the entire time mm -hmm. through my pursuit of it. Um, one of my mentors in college was the only tenured female engineering professor in the department. Uh, I actually, so I came through engineering, so I have a little winding road story, but I worked in aerospace engineering and my boss was a woman. Mm -hmm. and she was one of the few women. Uh, grad school, my advisor was a woman also. And that was, that was kind of random, like in my particular experience, I didn't get to choose that person. I chose a project and that turned out to be run by one of the women who had been there since she was an undergrad. Gotcha. So it was kind of amazing. Um, and then I think personally, which may have slightly been affected by gender, um, when I was in grad school is when I had like a, a major depressive episode and that was mm -hmm. my first encounter with depression. Okay. And I do think that there was being a... Um, the minority in the group and also just not being confident enough to seek out help at various stages um, and also share that information in the academic environment that I was in right. sort of kept me back, made that take a bigger, made me take a bigger hit due to that. Okay. Think, yeah. Well. All right. Well, um, you know, I, I love the fact that um, what you both kind of uh, focused on is that when you get um, <clears throat> when you get the proper push and, uh, and, and, and assistance, it, it makes things easier. And I say this to everybody, nobody gets anywhere without help. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. And so the the more help that is available for anyone, yeah. uh, the better you're going to do at anything. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, and just think of it this way. When you look at uh, the NFL and the NBA, you would be so shocked to find how many players have a family member, father, uncle, somebody who played professional that professional sport. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah, and everybody thinks like these guys are just Coming natural phenoms yeah, that yeah. came out of nowhere. You have to right. recognize. Right. And you got to recognize. No, that yeah. guy had somebody mentoring him from the time he was three yeah. years old, put a basketball in his hand, a football in his yeah. hand. Look at the Manning brothers. I mean, um, there's actually three of them, but only two count. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I always think about oh. that poor third one, yeah. But He's the an insurance salesman right. or something. No, yeah, but the know. fact is they're the son of Archie Manning. Yeah. Okay, so, right. you know, the health thing is a very big thing is yeah. what I'm saying. So that's, also, yeah. that's a really good lesson, too, for science in general. Like science, you know, you hear the, the myths of the lone genius and that right. kind of a thing. But right. science is a is a community and team effort and group effort. And you can't get anywhere, and especially in grad school. So I used to work on a program that helped um, post-bac students sort of get prepared for grad school. And the thing that you really have to drill into them is that you need to ask for help, right. and it's yeah. good to ask it's for help. For us, right. And you should identify resources outside yourself. You can't do it alone. Absolutely. Also, knowing that it, that even the grad school is a thing, like the grad school is something where you keep going to school, but you get paid to do it. And and so like, say that again now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you don't get paid much. Very much. I believe Chuck Nice might be going back to grad school. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but it's not. You know, it's not like you know, law school and med school are kind of more popular. You you have to pay for those, and it's a huge amount of money. But graduate school, especially in the sciences, is generally paid for. You you know, you work, but your working is teaching or doing research or something like that. You're not paid a huge amount of money. No, but, but you're still. generally paid enough to live on. And, and you're going uh, to school. Yeah, and you're going to school to get a PhD or to get a master's degree and this is something that because it's a relatively small amount of the population that does it it's not very well known that it's even a path. Right. And so if you don't already have a scientist in your life, you might not even know right. that it's a thing that you can do. You don't. You also don't have to go to grad school and only become a professor. Mm -hmm. You can go to grad school and then, you know, uh, you can get a PhD in physics and even, you know, then work in finance or become an astronaut or, you know, work in fashion, all, all kinds of things. Right. Because, right. Wow. Yeah. That is a, a who knew? Yeah. <laughs> I'm making it rain, bitches. I'm going to grad school. Ah, okay. And I think the interesting <laughs> thing about that, too, is actually it counters the leaky pipeline example. Because right. um, I like to think of it more, it's not that you're losing these people, um, but you are, for some reasons, the pipeline is not encouraging them to go on. But some of them are making these alternative choices, which yeah. we shouldn't even call alternative, because right. the idea yeah. is that... There's just this huge range of careers. There's a, a lot of options at every level. People with astronomy PhDs that work for, like, Etsy and Stitch Fix and Netflix and GitHub and, you know, all kinds of software companies and mm -hmm. all kinds of internet companies and things like that. And so you can really do all kinds of different things with a science PhD. Wow, that's amazing. That's great stuff. Well, there you go, kids. Stay in school. <laughs> For a long, long time. For a long, long time. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, this is Benjamin Needle coming to us from Instagram. Um, this is off topic, but I just want to get your, uh, your opinions on this. What is the best and possibly simplest way to refute a climate change denial argument? I know you both are uh, passionate about climate change, and uh, he came to us from Austin, Texas, and climate change is going to be a very, oh, very yeah. 
um, crucial and serious subject, yeah. more so than it has ever been uh, because of the particular administration that is about to take place uh, or take hold here in America. Uh, so with that in mind, is there anything that you that you kind of have a go to when it comes to uh, climate science and climate deniers? Climate science is just another aspect of science. And man, if you don't believe in science, like, then you don't believe why your cell phone works or why your computer works. Like, it's, and 99% of scientists, of climate scientists in particular, this is people that, you know, have gone to school for 10 plus years, studied these the, these very intricate, detailed right. things. And by the way, that's all they do is climate. It's, it's yeah, not like, their focus. right, that's their focus. Yeah. It's not like you're an astrophysicist and, and dabbling then, in it and dabbling yeah, in no. climate science. These guys, their concentration is the climate of the planet Earth and sometimes other planets, yeah. but go ahead. And, the, and the, yeah, and other planets as well. That's the, uh, yes. also the thing is that, you know, in order to understand Ver Earth, we can also understand Venus, we can understand Mars, mm -hmm. and all, everything kind of fits in together. You know, it's still, it's science, and so it's not a set, you know, we don't have an answer, but we have a very good idea of what's going to happen, mm -hmm. and... For, if I were a climate scientist, I don't think I'd be able to sleep at night. And it's even, you know, sometimes difficult as an astrophysicist because they're like, oh, yeah, this is like the best case scenario is, you know, rising ocean levels, rising temperatures, like, you know, extreme wind pattern or extreme uh, weather patterns like soon, like within a century. And yeah. it's like it's amazing to talk to them because they're like, yes, absolutely. They have no doubt whatsoever. Right. And this is 99 percent of them the same thing. And, and, and the funny thing is that. Uh, what people don't understand about climate change um, is that, uh, and by the way, I, I implore everyone to stop calling it climate change and start calling it human-caused or man-made climate change. Yeah. Because we keep calling it climate change as if this stuff is just happening. Right. It, well, it has happened, and this is one of their arguments, is that, oh, number one, we don't know what happened in the past. Well, we do know what happened in the past. Oh, it's yes, a lot coarser than the data that we have now, but we know what happened in the past. Right. And number two, what happened in the past was these tiny little changes, you know, big enough to cause ice ages right. and, and a lot of different climates. The Earth has been a very different place for the, you know, even the last several million years, mm -hmm. let alone billions of years. But these are very small changes over long periods of time. Right. And then you put this, the you know the, the last 100 years right. on the same graph and it, and it goes off up. the charts yeah. and it's terrifying right. but that's that you you know you can't even you know some people don't even understand charts and so you know yeah, yeah. getting this stuff across is it's a it, it's admit, admittedly a complicated thing and so there are a lot of details to get across and there's a lot of when something is so complicated i think people tend to like they they want to believe what they want to believe and so they want to believe that it's going to be okay or that it's not caused by us or you know that right. it's not as bad as as these crazy people are making it out to be but no it's terrible it's it's only going to get worse unless we fix things sooner rather than later, and it's real. Yeah, and it's frightening. It is. Yeah. Summer, do you have any? I thought I saw you looking. You wanted to say. Yeah, I just wanted to add also like the thing. A lot of times people are talking when they say that climate change isn't real. They're talking about weather. And weather is a short-term local phenomenon, and climate is longer time scales, larger geographic scales. Right. 
And so they're also looking, it's like looking at a graph for just a tiny little portion instead of a big, huge trend right. that you're seeing. Right. Um, and, and yeah. And so, and guess what? It's kind of like finding out, like, um, just because you don't think it's real doesn't mean it doesn't, it doesn't mean exist. you are real. <laughs> yeah. Because <Okay? laughs> it believes in you. <laughs> Science is real. We have to take a break, but we'll be back with Star Talk All Stars right after this. Welcome back to Star Talk All Stars. I'm your All Star host, Summer Ash. And I'm Emily Rice. And we're also joined by Chuck Nice yes. in the studio. I am here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, we are doing our Cosmic Queries, and we're going to jump right back into it because we have, uh, we've got some really cool questions about women crushing it Wednesday. Even not, if it's not Wednesday. Even it's, if it's not it's Wednesday. Wednesday somewhere in the... Solar system? <laughs> <laughs> Define Wednesday. It's Wednesday on Uranus for like six more months. Right. So, so there you have it. <laughs> and also women crush it every day. Yeah. There you go. All right. So um, this is Reed 126 and he says, or she says, because I can't tell from Reed. Um, dog actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the possible way, what is the best possible way of increasing science literacy uh, for the general public? It seems people still do not believe in many scientifically settled facts. So uh, what is the best way to increase science literacy for the general public? Because I think once you increase science literacy, you will automatically increase the appeal and the number of women going into science. Yeah. You know. I think so, yeah. One of the things that, that, that is discouraging people from going into science maybe is that they think science is hard, but science isn't actually that hard. It's, it's, it's hard in a different way than what we're used to, I think, and that's the thing. I, th I think it's just making science more a part of like our larger culture. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, that it, the portrayal of science should infuse more things that we consume every day. Yeah. So more shows can have scientists as characters and still not be a show that's about scientists. About scientists, yeah. Wow, that's true. Not right? naming names. Right. No, 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 you're absolutely... You can have those, too, but you can have just scientists. A science is a career option. So more yeah. shows can have... You know, they can be character-based storytelling series, but they can also have characters that are geologists or, you know, yeah. even well, you know, Ross that's what was I, an anthropologist. Yeah, yeah. Was that? On Ross, Friends. On Ross Friends did, was oh, that's true. He was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can have female. I think natural history. Yeah. 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 I, you know, it's funny. That was one of the reasons why I love Star Trek. Everybody on Star Trek is a scientist. There is not like somebody who isn't. There, oh, yeah. Every single person is a scientist on Star Trek. So or engineer or another, or, right. yeah. You're, they're all or an engineer or but they're all they're all scientists. That's yeah. why they're on that ship, yeah. you know, which is kind of cool, yeah. you know. But they're uh, also shown to be more than just a scientist. Right. Which I think is also one of the things is that scientists can be multidimensional. Yeah. So like Picard, you know, has all of these history books right. and loves studying Shakespeare. Well, he's an anthropologist uh, and, yeah, and, exactly. and right. And yeah. So they all and uh, Riker is a, is a musician. Correct. And even Data the Android plays music and tries to explore all these other things about humanity so but he's not a real boy no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> hey those are that's great i love that answer that's what it's about okay cool well thanks reed uh very good question let's stay on the same kind of topic and this is both personal and your opinion so you can opine and you can act, uh, actually answer it for your own life um Maynarius. 
I believe that's the name. It's just Minarius from Instagram says, um, what do you think is the most influential book, movie, or show that inspires young women to become more interested in STEM? Um, and then she says, especially astronomy. But um, is there, do you, do you have a particular piece of literature or do you, uh, is there some particular movie or television show, some art, uh, f- you know, uh, that, that actually you think is inspiring for women? Well, I think there's a two different questions there. It's like, what do, if we are trying to identify what do we think the best thing is or we're trying to identify things that both. inspire us? Yeah. Both. Yeah, both. I, th- I think, at least for our generation, this is dating uh, us a little bit, but... I hear from a lot of people, I didn't actually watch it growing up because I was into My Little Ponies instead of, but, you know, a lot of people say Carl Sagan and Cosmos. And I think one of the great things about Carl Sagan is that he, you know, addressed, like, humanity in this very, like, big picture way. And I think that was, you know, fairly inclusive, even for him being a white dude. Um and, and a lot of that resonated with a lot of people. And of course, now we have the new generation of Cosmos that Neil Tyson hosted um, and kind of a lot more s- pop culture science stuff that is hopefully getting people interested in science. Mm-hmm. Um, even maybe, maybe even the Big Bang Theory for all its stereotypes of the, the, the different characters on there. You know, they they show like... I don't know, a handful of, you know, they have the scientist and the engineer and the theoretician and the experimentalist. And they have a neuroscientist and, 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 yeah, and a and the women biologist. Are biologists and neuroscientists. And, you know, at, at least it's it's getting a little bit At least bit there's more. a representation, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's on primetime TV. I mean, yeah, I know TV is not a thing so much anymore, but it's just the fact that it exists is something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And please, I make all my money from TV. Please. <laughs> please don't say that. <laughs> um, no, it's cool. Uh, that's great. Um, why don't, uh, here's, here's, I got to move on to this next question. I'm, this is kind of a, this is a, uh, this is for both of your experience in life. This is sweet Junie who says my four-year-old daughter wants to ask me, wh- my four-year-old daughter asked me, how can I become an astrophysicist for real? Not Aww. pretend. Aww. How cool is that? I just want to take uh, a minute to imagine a four-year-old pretending to be an astrophysicist. That, and also just asking that it. question. And, uh, and it's cool. I, I just see her four-year-old daughter sitting around doing a Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, impression. Just like, right. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Um, um, then she says, further, I'd like to grasp on how to help her follow up uh, the path that she is interested in. Um, what does an education for... Uh, an astrophysicist look like um, so yeah. what 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 path can she expect to walk that we so we've touched on it a little bit um, the nice thing is that not everybody takes this path and so I mean I definitely decided didn't decide what I wanted to do when I was four thank goodness I think I would be like I don't know a puppy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like still but um the uh, you definitely have to at some point in your life learn physics and learn math and so the kind of earlier the better you don't necessarily have to start when you're four but you know by time you get to say middle school and high school you want to take as many math classes as you can you want to take as many physics and chemistry and computer science classes as you can my goodness by time she's four now in 15 years who even knows what there might be what classes and learning things will be languages and things like that um and then you want to go to college and in college you want to major in physics or math or computer science or you know not all colleges even have astrophysics as a major but that can be okay 
Um, and then you want to go to graduate school. So graduate school we touched on before, and graduate school is this kind of post-undergrad um, school work hybrid where you do research, you might even teach classes, you earn a higher degree, a master's degree, or a PhD, and that's kind of the, the professional qualification that you typically need to be an astrophysicist. Right. People call you doctor. And then you say, but not that kind of doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't put it, you can put it on your magazine subscriptions. Don't put it in your frequent flyer <laughs> profile because that's for other reasons. Well, really? Yeah, oh, they're doctors. Know that. Yeah, they want to, they want to know, like, they want to be able to, if there's a medical emergency, I mean, they want to be able to call on you. Well trained, right. but it's also useful to know if there's medical doctors on the roster. So it's the whole, that whole scene, is there a doctor in the house? Yeah. That whole. Is there a doctor on the plane? Is there a doctor? Like me? Oh, Oh, but I'm an astrophysicist. Like, I'm not helping that guy having a heart attack over there. Sorry. Well, I recently booked a flight on Virgin Atlantic, and one of the options for my um, title was Baroness. <laughs> I almost wanted to put that. You should have done yeah. it. But can I, I think so that's how they know who's like bagged to rob or something yeah, right. like that. Mm -hmm. but, so I wanted to add, you know, she's only four at this point. And so I think one of the great things, what science is, is science is asking questions and finding answers yeah. and then asking more questions. Okay. So just help your daughter answer her questions, like support her um, in inquiry and curiosity, yeah. mm -hmm. and then help her try and find the resources that will help her answer those questions, whether that's a person or a book or or whatever, but just sort of uh, encourage the encourage interest, the interest. In the exploration. Cool. And yeah. also the, what we were talking about earlier, you know, don't let her get discouraged if she gets a B or a C in a class, you yeah. know, help her figure out then what the resources she needs to, in order to do better. But, yeah. you know, throughout that entire academic career, you know, she doesn't have to be perfect. Nobody is perfect. Yeah. You or know even if she decides that she, you know, that she doesn't want to be an astrophysicist, but she's still super interested in space. Actually, these are the students that I try to encourage even more because I want my lawyers and my doctors and my, um, you know, bridge engineers and everybody, like I want everybody to have an interest, journalists and fashion designers. I want everybody to know about space and care about space mm -hmm. so that it permeates kind of everyday life. If we only have astrophysicists that are the people about who care about space like well, you know we might lose our funding or you know the pu public doesn't care about what we're doing we don't have our tv shows anymore or something like that and so i want everybody like you know if even if you're interested in space you don't necessarily have to become an astrophysicist you can like do some other career mm -hmm. and still share your love for space and incorporate space and astronomy into that career cool all right. Well, that was a good question. All right. Yeah. Way to go, sweet Junie. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to, ooh, oh, I swear these people, they, they give me these names just to mess with me. <laughs> I swear they do. All right. This is uh, Saba Ahadiz. Ahadiz, Saba Ahadiz, who says, what is in the black hole? And if all the matter of everything that goes into a black hole never comes back, where did it actually Ooh. go? What will happen if we actually get in a black hole to, to see what would we see? Okay? So what's, what, what happens? What is in the black hole? I mean, what happens to the stuff when it goes in the black hole? Can yeah. I give the scientific answer? Yes. We don't know. I Whoa, say, there you go. I think that part Which A, is awesome. we don't know. I love to part be able B, to answer things like we that. We also don't know. And part C, Ooh, we don't know. know. Okay, and guess what? <laughs> if that's yeah. what it is, that's what it is. To some yeah. extent it is. I mean, we have lots of different theories, but because 
black holes eat everything and take in everything, including light. And light is basically our messenger mm. as astronomers. Right. So we get all our information from light. So we have no information coming out of the black hole. We have information Going from in very from near the to it. Horizon. Um, and we don't have information coming out. So yeah. then we'd have to turn to theoretical phys uh, physics and mathematics right. for predicting Einstein, basically, with relativity, yes. what space-time is doing um, and what is happening to mass and energy in those yeah. regions. And which is funny because just because of what people don't understand is that theoretical physics is based on mathematical models. And those mathematical models are predictive of something that could actually happen in the physical world under the right circumstances. Mm -hmm. Now, with that in mind, uh, more than 100 years ago, Einstein uh, told us about gravity waves through his mathematical models. And there was... Gravitational. Gra I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah gravity is a different thing. That's gravity a different, waves are different. Gra right. Gravity waves are different. But um, we, he had no way. We now know that he was right. But he would have had no way of knowing that he was actually right because he's got these models that he put out. Yeah. Right? But that's what models are. They make predictions. And then we go observe to see if we can verify those predictions. Yeah. And that's what and makes a successful model. Sometimes there's this like leapfrog between like when we can predict something and when we can actually have the technology to find it. Right. And sometimes that can take you know a couple years. Sometimes that can take decades. Right. Or centuries. When we can, yes, centuries maybe even. So are there any mathematical models right now that um, are the pervasive? Um, accepted belief on what is happening in a black hole. I mean, or, or, or are we at a place now where it's just like, yeah, well, you know, we really don't have the, uh, we don't have the information to do that. I think there's a lot of different models. Okay. Or there's a lot of people working on this problem and some of them are going at it the same way and some of them are coming at it completely different ways. Okay. All so right. I, I don't know that I really know what those models say, but I mean, in theory, it's just... One of those crazy things about the universe, this whole idea like that the universe is expanding, but it's actually the fabric of space-time that's expanding. So there's things that are separate from our intuition and what we want to be able to conceive and picture. Right. So this whole idea of a singularity is basically yeah. infinite density, infinitely small, right. and like a, which makes no physical sense. makes no physical sense whatsoever. makes no physical sense, but right. that's what the math tells us. Wow. Wow, that is exciting. <laughs> God, God, I love doing this show, man. I just, Black I holes don't suck. <laughs> Black holes don't suck, baby. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, that's I, that, I guess we're out of time. I can't ask any more questions. There you have it. You've been listening to Star Talk All-Stars. Thanks to Chuck Nice for co-hosting with us. That's such a pleasure. I'm Emily Rice. I'm Summer Ash. And keep asking questions. And black holes don't suck, but Hubble got you. <laughs> <laughs> this is Star Talk.